Hello everyone, this is Ivan Oleg Smith with Yoga U Online and I'm very pleased to be here today with author and yoga therapist Carol Krukoff in North Carolina. Carol is a yoga therapist at Duke Integrative Medicine in Durham, North Carolina where she offers individual yoga therapy session and classes and co-directs the Integrative Yoga for Seniors professional training. Carol is an award-winning health journalist and the author of several books on yoga, including Yoga Sparks, 108 Easy Practices for Stress Relief in a Minute or Less, which is one of my favorite titles, as well as Healing Yoga for Neck and Shoulder Pain. And I think you co-wrote a book with your husband as well, Carol, Healing Moves. Yes, that's right. Healing Moves, How to Cure, Relieve, and Prevent Common Ailments with Exercise. Yes. And you are also the co-director with Kimberly Carson of the Yoga for Seniors program, which offers trainings, and you're offering them through the Duke Integrative Medicine Center? Yes, the master training that we do for yoga teachers who want to work safely and effectively with older adults is at Duke Integrative Medicine. That's a 50-hour, eight-day master training. We also offer shorter abridged trainings um, in varied locations, the Kripalu Center um, oh. up in Lenox, Mass., for example. I see, yeah. And one of the reasons, well, first of all, very warm, hearty welcome to you. Well, thank you. I'm delighted <laughs> to be here, Eva. Thank you. So one of the reasons we're so interested, we're very interested in the work you're doing with Kimberly, and one of the reasons is that I think one of the most common stereotypes we have in yoga is that yoga is for the young, the fit, and flexible, and if you don't fall into one of those categories, you can't practice yoga. And I think as yoga teachers, we know that that's not true, but that is the perception of most people in society. And you are here to tell us otherwise? Absolutely. It, it really is one of the uh, kind of ironies is that as yoga has become so popular and so mainstream, there's also so much misconception about the yoga practice and what it is. And what you expressed is so true that people think they have to look a certain way and they have to be flexible. One of the most common comments I get is, oh, I'm not flexible enough to do yoga. And of course, that's like saying, you know, my house is too messy to hire a cleaning service. It, <laughs> what we tell our students and what I truly believe is that if you can breathe, you can practice yoga. Um, and that's certainly where um, the older adults and the more vulnerable populations that I tend to work with and Kimberly tends to work with comes in. And you were so kind to mention the books that I've done, the one that you didn't mention is the new one that oh, uh, Kimberly and course, I just wrote. So that is, I even have a copy of it right here, that is Relax Into Yoga for Seniors. And that is uh, really um, the compilation of decades-long um, work that we've done together at Integrative Medicine, learning how to practice and teach safely for people with the most common conditions that older adults have, things like heart disease and arthritis and osteoporosis and chronic pain. So that's what we cover in this book. And that is the, the topic of our, of our classes that, that we offer. Mm, beautiful. 
And what in your work, what are some of the things that bring people to yoga? Um, they're older. Well, it, one of the many things I love about working with this population is that what brings people to yoga in this age group is not so much usually about appearance. You know, younger people may want to go to yoga because they want a yoga butt or yoga abs. <laughs> Older people come to yoga because they hurt and they want to feel better. They want to be able to sleep. They want to stay living independently in their own homes. They want to be able to get down on the floor and play with their grandchildren. They want to keep driving their car. So they're much more interested in function. And so it's a very mature um, approach. Uh, you know, in this culture, most people are competitive and older adults can be competitive too. But we try to create a very safe emotional, um, safe environment that allows people to be exactly where they are. And it normalizes whatever someone needs and does is fine. Um, and that, that, that gives people permission to be wherever they are and to really learn Yoga is not just what you do, but it's how you do it. So teaching people how to go to that place where they're challenging themselves, but they're not straining is huge. And it's particularly important with this age group because ahimsa, the first principle, nonviolence, non-harming, we don't want to harm. Um, so it's, um, it's really, it's been, uh, as you can tell, I'm pretty passionate about it. I, I love yeah. working with, yeah. with older adults. Yeah, yeah, and I think most people have heard about the baby boomer revolution and that older people, 65 and up, are right now the fastest growing uh, sector of the population. That's absolutely true. It's called the silver tsunami. So the, the percentage of the population that's 65 and up is increasing rapidly. And within that, the subgroup of what they call the oldest old. So 65 to 85 are considered young old. 85 and up are considered the oldest old. And that group is also growing. So I have a woman who takes my class regularly who's 93. And she, um, she comes on her walker. You know, she's, she's uh, honestly, she's really struggling with the losses of um, that can come with age. She's such a beautiful spirit. Um, so the, this population is also ripe for the deal for the teachings of yoga on so many levels: on the physical level, on the emotional level, the cognitive level, the spiritual level. Um, they they're fantastic. Mm, that's beautiful. And, and I, I think it's safe to say, as you point out also in one of your writings, is that um, it's really one of the largest untapped market for yoga teachers, uh, teaching to all the beginners. It's, it's huge um, because there are many, many yoga teachers out there who can teach what I like to call party poses, you know, the fancy standing on one hand, going on your side, all that, all that stuff that, you know, I did when I was younger, I don't do anymore. So I'm, you know, truth be told, I'm, I'm an older adult myself. I'm 63. My practice has changed uh, as my body has aged with much of what I've learned through um, offering this class. Uh, we have faculty members from Duke University Medical Center who teach um, at our course. 
So I have learned from some of the country's most prominent experts on, say, osteoporosis, what might be risky, postures that might be risky for someone with low bone density. And as a thin, white woman, those are all risk factors for osteoporosis. I've changed my practice because it's just not worth it to me to get a vertebral fracture to do some fancy pose. I can still have a very vigorous, very satisfying practice. Um, but yeah, things yeah. change. And that is one of the things that we learn in our, in our teaching is that everything changes. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think for yoga teachers who may be interested in teaching in this market, one of the main challenges is like even if you have a class of 50-year-olds, you run into the problem that downward dog is an immensely challenging pose that most students over the age of 50 even will not be able to comfortably do. Many people who walk into a yoga, their first class, and yoga's gotten so popular and there was just so many articles about that study that just came out about yoga for back pain and newbies are coming into yoga class and it's really important that people recognize that not all yoga classes are alike. Teachers need to have, teachers who want to work with this population need to have special training. It's just, um, it, it's for safety's sake, it's really, really important. Mm, yeah. So where do you even start? Because as a teacher, you know, people are taught you know, all those basic poses, downward dog, warrior pose, triangle pose, revolve triangle, and the regular vocabulary of poses, and even the modifications you get from those, for those poses just don't suffice. So have you developed like a whole different repertoire of poses and modifications, or how do you approach this? Well, we have, and that's what, what Kimberly and I present in the Relax Into Yoga book that we've done. And what we have uh, looked at is in over the years of learning from our Western medical docs at Duke who've taught us what might be unsafe if someone has arthritis or osteoporosis, we've incorporated those basic considerations into every single pose. So some of the just sort of overarching concerns tend to come with loaded forward flexion. So that is when you bend the spine forward in a loaded position, which if you're sitting, that is a loaded position. That puts much more load on the spine than standing or lying down. So a posture that like Pachamotanasana, we don't do. And if you go to the National Osteoporosis Foundation, you'll see, you know, what they, they have some um, very interesting um, consumer education about these considerations. Um, sort of BLT, bending, lifting, twisting, tends to be when people have vulnerabilities of their musculoskeletal system. And this can also translate to the cardiovascular system and the respiratory system, because if you're very crunched forward, it can impact your digestion, your circulation. But those bending, lifting, twisting tend to be the areas that people can get hurt in. So we have I won't say completely taken it out because you can't live your life without bending, lifting, twisting. You'd be walking around like a mechanical soldier. But for example, with twists, 
we try to keep the twists very functional. And this is what our physical therapy colleagues have taught us. So you still want to be able to twist. If you're going to drive a car, you need to be able to look over your shoulder to back the car out of the parking lot. So keeping a twist in mid-range is um, important. However, what we don't do is something you'll often find in yoga classes where you take the twist to the very end range as far as you possibly can go, and then maybe you'll hook an elbow and crank it. This is not a great idea with an older body. So while we there are still twists and rotations because we want to take the spine through all the planes of action. We've, we've very carefully considered modifications that have really, that are, we call it evidence informed. So we've looked at the evidence of studies that have been done on osteoporosis studies that have been done on arthritis studies that have been done on heart disease. And it may not be studies of yoga and these, um, conditions because there just is the literature so far is not that robust on yoga, but it is relatively robust on exercise. So looking at the posture practice as a form of physical activity, we have extrapolated. Well, if people with osteoporosis are told um, to avoid end range rotation or loaded rotation, we take that out of the practice and we make the rotation mid-range. We make the rotation with a smooth quality of motion. So, yeah, that was a long answer to your question. Sorry, I hope that I hope that didn't get too long. Yeah, it's it's very interesting. And and you were mentioning forward flexion, which of course, um, even for older people who are sitting on the floor, um, you know, just a very active sitting on the floor for many people if they have tight hamstrings or tight hips involves a forward flexion in the lower back. Which is why we don't teach floor sitting poses at all, Eva. That's a really good point that you make. In Relax Into Yoga for Seniors and the gentle yoga classes I teach at Duke, I don't do any sitting on the floor. All sitting is done in chairs. And since people spend so much of their life sitting in chairs, it's our perspective that we are offering them a great service to teach them how to have good posture sitting in a chair. Where are your sit bumps? Are you sitting on your sit bumps? Where's the crown of your head? Relax your shoulders. And people, we invite them to come sit forward on their chair. And then we might be doing chair sitting poses for, say, 10 minutes out of an hour-long class. And people will start to cave. And we'll keep reminding them. And over time, they will build up the muscles. It, it really takes a lot of core strength. So sit at the, at the end of your chair and maybe even lift up your leg. And then what happens to your back? So it's very challenging. Um, but we do not have people sit on the floor because it's just yeah. too dangerous. You know, yeah. it's just too risky, as you, you pointed out. You can put all the pillows in the world under it. And some of us, people who've been practicing yoga for years, people who live in a, an Asian culture where they're used to sitting on the floor, they may be able to keep a neutral spine and avoid forward flexion. But the 50-year-old walking into your class who's never done yoga before is probably going to be sitting like that. Right, right. Yeah. And, and what are some of the issues you run into in terms of motivation? Like, how do you get people, how do you encourage them to continue? Um, you know, how do you get people who, you know, invariably will have some degree of challenge starting yoga? How do you yeah. get them to stick with the practice? 
So my philosophy is if it's fun, it will get done. So number one is to make it enjoyable, to give them a sense of self-efficacy. I can do this because it's not uncommon for people to kind of poke in and say, I don't know if I can do this. and Just try. You know, you can watch if you want at first and you're welcome to try, but, but have it be enjoyable. And by the end of the class, you know, people are just, they feel so good. That's what will bring them back. Yeah. That's what will bring them back. Yeah. So you are you emphasizing a lot of breath work, or you have an equal distribution across, you know, strength? A relatively strength. equal distribution. So breath work is another um, area that we've learned so much from our, our colleagues in the medical profession, in that breath work is very important, but it's, much, it's simple. So we don't do extreme breath, no kapalabhati, no bastrika, nothing that's forceful, because that can be problematic when people have heart disease. Um, we don't do breath holding, so no holding at the end of the inhalation. There can be a retention at the end of exhalation. But you know what happens when people hold their breath, you know, and there are all these things we do in yoga, you inhale to four, hold to six, exhale, whatever. When you hold your breath, it affects your blood pressure. So in some people it goes up and some people it goes down. Most people it goes up. But in this population, that is not an area you want to mess with. Right. So we don't do breath holding. Yeah. So we do breathing practice, but it tends to be the relaxed abdominal breath, teaching people just basic good breathing mechanics, how to breathe you know, through the diaphragm, breathing in and out through the nose, if at all possible, synchronizing the movement with breath, staying connected with their breath, breath awareness. So there's always that breath awareness, movement with the breath, but it's not a lot of fancy pranayama. Right, right. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Now, uh, you teach together with Kimberly Carson. Yes. Um, and what do you each bring to the table? What do you specialize in and what does Kimberly specialize in? Well, we have um, many similarities in that we're both yoga therapists. We've both been teaching in medical environments for close to 20 years. Kimberly and I met at Duke. She had been at Duke. She moved to Portland. She's at Oregon Health Sciences University right now. She moved, oh gosh, I'm going to say six, eight years ago, I'm something like that. And we've continued our, our partnership. Um, so we're both yoga therapists, yoga teachers. Um, my other hat is that I'm a journalist. My original um, career was as um, a journalist. I was at the Washington Post for 10 years. I was the founding editor of the health section. I specialized in writing about health, particularly physical activity and health. I wrote a column for many years called Body Works that dealt with exercise science. And so I could learn to read the literature. You know, I write, I'm a communicator. Kimberly has her master's in public health from the University of North Carolina. So she's very involved in public health uh, with her husband, Jim. Jim was formerly a Swami um, for 20 years before he gave up the robes. They met in um, when they were in grad school. He is now a PhD clinical psychologist. They've done quite a bit of research and they created a program called Yoga of Awareness, which takes many of the yoga um, 
principles and um, sort of takes the, the any language that might be off-putting, uh, puts it in very easy-to-understand language. And they have um, done studies on their yoga awareness program with various populations, including chronic pain populations, uh, and have had just really remarkable results. People with fibromyalgia were able to go off their medication. Right now they're working on a big study looking at um, the yoga awareness program for people with chronic pain uh, to get off opioids. So that'll be very interesting. So she's yeah. got the, a lot of research experience and she has her master's in public health. I'm a journalist and a communicator. We're both yoga teachers, yoga therapists who've been working with people in hospitals and um, people with varied health conditions for almost 20 years. Right, that's beautiful. And you are teaching a course together. On we are. Online. On uh, the topic that we've been talking about, not so much yoga for seniors, but teaching yoga to all the beginners, which I guess is the whole range from 50 to 85. Um, yes. Tell us about the course and, and what you'll be covering. Well, we'll be covering um, some of the most common conditions that uh, a teacher is likely to find in a group of students of this age. So we'll be talking about arthritis, what it is, what it means if your student has arthritis, how to think about modifying postures safely. Um, we'll be talking about heart disease. Um, we'll be talking about uh, arthritis. We'll be talking about chronic pain. So some of the very common conditions. And we'll also... Um, talk about our approach to modifying posture. So when many people take a, to a teacher training, they're taught, well, if a person has this, then you, you then give them a block and do this. If a person has that, well, here's a modification. Seniors are much more complex than that because most adults that you're going to find, the average 75-year-old has, uh, I, I, has three chronic conditions and takes five medications or the other way around. Oh, wow. Um, wow. I don't have that. I don't have the statistic right in front of me, but most, most people in that room are going to be on prescription drugs, which have their own side effects. Um, and they're not just going to be dealing with one thing. So that modification of putting the block there, will suppose they have arthritis in that hand. So what we teach people rather than this is what to do with that person. We teach people, this is how to think. Mm -hmm. and, yes. and we give a scaffolding. We call it the continuum of practice. So look at the posture you're teaching mm -hmm. and figure out the intention of that pose. Why are you teaching this? Is it because you want to stretch hamstrings? Is it because it's a very empowering pose? I mean, what, why are you doing this? What are the risks? And then what's going on with that student in front of you? Mm -hmm. And how you might be able to come up with adaptations it takes a lot of creativity. Mm. So we, we often say, you know, if you, if you uh, feed a person a fish, they'll eat that night. But if you teach a person to fish, they'll eat forever. And, and that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to teach people how to think about teaching this group. Yeah, so, that's beautiful. So that's, that's, that's our intention. Just from my own experience, I, I would imagine that sequencing also becomes hugely important. I find with all mm -hmm. the beginners that, yes, they can get into a warrior 
two poses, but you have to spend about 15 minutes warming up their hamstrings and their adductors. Yeah, and with older adults, that warm-up is particularly critical. It's important to start slowly and progress gradually, and particularly with arthritis, which you, you really can't scratch somebody over 40 and not find some arthritis. Um, so if a joint has arthritis, you don't want to immediately stand and load that joint. You may want to go in and out a few times. So these are the kinds of things that we'll talk about. That's great. Wonderful. Well, it just sounds like a great and uh, very timely course as well, Carol. So thank you so much for joining us to tell us more about your work. And uh, we thank you for the opportunity. You soon on, on your review. Yeah, we're looking forward to it. We're most grateful to be able to offer this class. Well, it's very timely, particularly with your new book that just came out. So mm -hmm. I'm sure a lot of surge of interest in, in your work. So thank you. Very honest to host you. Thank Wonderful. you. Thank you so much. Take care. Take care.